Welcome back to The Emily Show. Today, I am bringing you an edited version of something I covered on a live stream because it is one of the most ridiculous stories that I came across in 2023. And that is a story about a judge who was caught sending text messages from the bench in the middle of a murder trial. And then the investigation uncovered a wealth of new information. So this week, I am going to be covering the Oklahoma texting judge and all the things that this bench officer is alleged to have been up to, and it is absolutely wild. This judge was on the bench for less than a year from the time that they took the bench to the time that this disciplinary action and investigation came down. Ten months. Ten months. This was speed running, not only getting potentially permanently kicked off the bench, but potentially having their license looked into. Wild allegations this week against this judge. And um, some things you might find pretty humorous. So laugh along with me as we get into the texting judge. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the internet's go-to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. An Oklahoma judge could be removed from office for sending more than 500 texts during a murder trial. So we're just going to orient ourselves to the story before we go into all the documents. Most courtrooms have security cameras everywhere. What this says on AP is this is an image from security camera video. The judge, Tracy Sonderstorm, looks at her cell phone during a murder trial, June 12, 2023, at the Lincoln County District Courthouse in Chandler, Oklahoma. Chief Justice of the Oklahoma Supreme Court, John Kane, Uh, is recommending the removal of the judge who exchanged more than 500 texts with her bailiff during a murder trial. That's a lot of texts. An investigation by uh, the Oklahoma Supreme Court Council on Judicial Complaints found the judge mocked prosecutors, laughed at the bailiff's comment about a prosecutor's genitals, praised the defense attorney, and called the key prosecution witness a liar, according to the petition filed on October 10th a new Oklahoma judge could lose her job. Like, if this is how you're acting when you're brand new, it worries me. A new Oklahoma judge could lose her job for sending more than 500 texts to her bailiff during a murder trial, including messages mocking the prosecutor, praising the defense attorney, and calling a key witness a liar. The chief justice recommended the removal. The judge has been under scrutiny since July when she was caught on camera scrolling through social media and texting during the trial of a man accused in a fatal beating of a two-year-old. The judge, who was sworn in on January 9th after being elected in November, was suspended with pay pending the outcome of a hearing by the court on the judiciary, which will determine whether to remove her from the bench. The pattern of conduct demonstrates judges' gross neglect of duty, gross partiality, and oppression. The conduct further demonstrates judges' lack of temperament to serve as a judge. A phone call to a number listed for the judge rang unanswered before disconnecting. The judge's text included saying the prosecutor was sweating through his coat during questioning of potential jurors was 
asking, why does he have baby hands? The text described the defense attorney as awesome and asked, can I clap for her during the defense attorney's opening arguments? The judge also texted a laughing emoji icon at the bailiff who had made a crass and demeaning reference to the prosecuting attorney's genitals. Um, Defendant, who was on trial while the judge was on her phone, was convicted of second-degree manslaughter in the 2018 death of the son of his girlfriend and sentenced to time served. Um, Okay. How how do you get I don't know how you get time served on a second degree manslaughter when these are the facts this is not my case the the okay the girlfriend and the mother of the child pled guilty to enabling the abuse and was sentenced to 25 years and was a key prosecution witness who was called a liar by the judge the state couldn't accept that the mom could kill their kids so they went after the next person available the judge texted according to the filing <sighs> The text includes comments about whether the juror was wearing a wig if a witness has teeth and calling a police officer who testified pretty, adding, I could look at him all day. Oh, okay. So maligning and objectifying. When questioned by the Council on Judicial Complaints, the judge said her texting probably could have waited rather than realizing the comments should never have been made. She said she thought, oh, that's funny. Move on. It is a trial regarding a murdered child. How do you not treat that with solemnity and seriousness? How is that a fucking joke? Yes, chat. Yes, chat. Motion is gr- motion is granted. M- motion is granted. Like, I can't think of anything that's more what the fuckery. For those of you that are new, I have granted a DEFCON Red. That means we're going to DEFCON Red This is why I did not watch other coverage on this because once it was like, this judge is texting inappropriate stuff, I was like, okay, we'll have to take a look. So I wanted to take a look anew. But what I really wanted to know is how the judge got caught. And it seems from a review of security footage, but somebody had to bring that to someone's attention. So I'm going to go back on the AP. So the AP linked to the other story. I want to go back to the other story and see what's linked Um, this is from July 20th video shows Oklahoma judge texting and scrolling on phone in trial over fatal beating of child. A new Oklahoma judge is facing scrutiny after courtroom video showed her scrolling through social media and texting throughout the murder trial for a man accused in the fatal beating two-year-old security video obtained by the Oklahoman shows the judge texting or messaging for minutes at a time during jury selection, opening statements, testimony, and trial for a man in the death of his girlfriend's son. At one point, she is seen searching for a GIF, an animated image. Judge 50 can also be seen checking Facebook during the trial. Judges aren't supposed... Okay. Which began last month in Chandler, about 45 miles northeast of Oklahoma City. The judge was sworn in on January 9th after being elected in November. Her term expires January 27th. She declined to comment to the newspaper because the verdict could still be appealed, saying judges are prohibited from discussing pending cases. Now there's some reflection. A request for comment 
from the Associated Press was not immediately returned Thursday. The trial ended with a conviction um, of second-degree manslaughter. Prosecutors had asked the juries to find him guilty of first-degree murder, so they found a lesser included. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of the case. The judge's behavior is what is at issue here. The sheriff said Wednesday that at the request of the Oklahoma Council on Judicial Complaints, he provided the state agency with video from the trial. Who complained? The council receives and investigates uh, accusations of misconduct. The council's director said that by law, their investigations are similar to a grand jury and they are to be held in secrecy. The sheriff said the cameras were placed in the courtroom for safety reasons. He said there's no sound on the audio, which is monitored by his office. The district attorney said he reviewed the video after getting a tip from courthouse personnel. Oh, me. How did this happen? The DA said he reviewed the video after getting a tip from courthouse personnel. Because courthouses spill all the tea. Spill all the tea. The way I knew about who was having an affair, who was doing what, who was on a new diet, who had taken up CrossFit, courthouses know everything, down to who prefers to poop in what bathroom. The amount, they're like hospitals. The amount of information you know at a courthouse is literally all. There are, there are no secrets. It's courthouse officials say anything to the judge. No, they told the prosecutor. It seems that they told the prosecutor, hey, by the way, you need to know. Because the courthouse staff can't really do much. The prosecutor can make a judicial complaint. It's not really for the courthouse staff to make that complaint, especially when she and the bailiff are texting together. Because then, especially if it's courthouse staff that works for the sheriffs, then you're going, then, then there's a whole conundrum of reporting and potentially getting in trouble with one of your colleagues. And that's a whole, that is a whole thing too. Okay, so the DA got a tip and said he found the judge spent hours of the trial texting and scrolling on her cell phone. It's both shocking and disappointing. He told the newspaper, jurors are banned from using cell phones in the courtroom during trials because we expect them to give their full time and attention to the evidence being presented. I would expect and hope the court would hold itself to the same standard required for jurors, regardless of the type of case. That's not too much to ask. Attorney said he never saw her using the phone. The videos show the judge held the phone down in her lap below the top of the judge's bench while using it or setting it down in an open drawer. The defense attorney said the judge did a great job and she never saw the judge use the phone. So the courthouse staff told the prosecutor what the judge was up to and the prosecutor, it seems, or the prosecutor's office in general, made a complaint. The video got, after reviewing the video, and then that went to the Judicial Council of Complaints and then they took it seriously and went, that's a problem. That's a problem. But this is a brand new judge. Like the level of audacity for a brand new judge in a case that is so incredibly serious to not be paying attention is bananas. She was hiding the phone use. She knew it was wrong. It's absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. <sighs> okay. This petition is filed pursuant to the Oklahoma Constitution. The respondent, Tracy Soderstorm, shitstorm is what's happening here. This is a shitstorm. I can't call you Judge Shitstorm. We're going to just go with Judge Judge. Just judge. 
Oh boy. Respondent is now and has been a district judge in the county in the 23rd district, which includes the counties. Exercising judicial power under the provisions of the Constitution, she was elected November 2022, took the bench on January 9th, 2023. Brand new judge. Did you not go to judge school? Okay. The respondent, as duly elected and acting district judge, exercising judicial power, the grounds upon which removal from office is sought include the following. Like, I have seen judges get admonished. Sometimes it is just that the Judicial Council wants to check you before you wreck yourself, and they will publicly admonish you for behavior. A lot of the behavior is being curt with other counsel, like being snappish, being being rude. Um, sometimes it's timeliness. Um, sometimes it's showing preference to one party or the other. But generally what the courts will do is do a published admonishment. This judge has been admonished, so you're aware. And if the, they don't ask for removal first, asking for removal first is, is a giant, a giant ask, which means this is going to be really bad. Because otherwise they would be like, you shouldn't be texting. This is going to be worse than that when we get to the allegations here that are gross neglect of duty, gross partiality in office, oppression in office, and other grounds. Grounds. The other grounds specified in subsection C provide that violation by a judicial officer of the code may constitute grounds for removal by the court on the judiciary of a judicial officer from office with or without disqualification to hold the judge office in the future. So they can remove the judge and the judge could be reelected depending on what they do. This is not an action for disbarment. Note, this is not an action for disbarment. This is an action to remove her from the office of judge. They are not asking to disbar her. She could get removed from her office as judge and still practice as a lawyer. All right, so this goes through other grounds, the canons of judicial conduct. Canon one, a judge shall uphold and promote the independence, integrity, and impartiality of the judiciary and shall avoid impropriety and the appearance of impropriety. You shall, like, comply with the law. A judge shall act at all times in a manner that promotes public confidence in the independence, integrity, and impartiality of the judiciary. Perform duties of a judicial office impartially, competently, and diligently. A judge should uphold and apply the law. Perform all duties of a judicial office fairly and impartially. A judge shall perform the duties of judicial office, including administrative duties, without bias or prejudice. They shall not, in the performance of their duties, by words or conduct, manifest bias or prejudice, or engage in harassment, including but not limited to uh, bias, prejudice, harassment based upon race, sex, gender, religion, national origin, ethnicity, disability, age, sexual orientation, marital status, socioeconomic status, or political affiliation, and shall not permit court staff, court officials, or others subject to the judicial, subject to the judge's discretion and control to do so. You're the judge. A judge, uh, let's see, a judge shall perform judicial and administrative duties competently and diligently cooperate with other judges and court officials, 
should hear and decide matters assigned to them, except when disqualification is required. You get the point. You must do the things. These are all the rules. Uh, Dignity, impartiality, integrity, the things you would expect of a judge. The respondent's conduct giving rise to these charges is based on the report from counsel. Let's see what the report from counsel is. While presiding over a murder trial beginning on June 7th, the respondent exchanged over 500 text messages with her bailiff, in which she mocked the physical appearance of the attorneys, jurors, and witnesses, and used offensive language to deride the state's attorneys. The respondent and her bailiff called murder trial witnesses liars, admired the looks of a police officer who was testifying, disparaged the local defense bar, expressed bias in favor of the defendant, and displayed gross partiality against the state. Respondent and her bailiff texted back and forth with each other continuously during the active portions of the murder trial. So not even when, like, people were walking up to the stand. Like, I can see, I can see a judge asking their bailiff or court clerk, normally they do this by email, bailiff or court clerk, do we have any custody pickups we have to deal with today? What is our scheduling for the rest of the day? Do we need to stop at any time? I can see those types of conversations happening when witnesses are changing over, when the prosecutor prosecutors introducing themselves. But judges have to pay attention because then they have to rule on what's happening in court. So they have to listen to the witness. And then if the attorney's like objection hearsay, you have to have just heard what was said. So you have to be actively paying attention to that. I don't know how you do that while sending 500 texts because it seems that the nature of these texts are not, what time do we need to stop today? Do we have any other matters to handle? Respondent placed her personal cell phone towards the front of her lap outside the view of others in the courtroom. Oh, not outside the view of the cameras. Respondent was scrolling Facebook. What is even on Facebook that you need when you're presiding over a murder trial? Like, be present. Accessing various phone applications and texting for extended periods of time. What, were you playing Suica game? Two dots? Love and pies, what were you playing on your phone, Your Honor? The bailiff, sitting in a witness box or at a small desk near the respondent, sent and received text messages during the murder trial as well. I imagine that disciplinary action is going through their department. <clears throat> on a separate occasion, the respondent and bailiff discussed by text, which juror, which jury instructions would best fit their desired outcome? What in the fucking hell? Wait a second. The respondent and bailiff, first of all, judges discuss jury instructions with the lawyers and then their court clerk. Jury instructions are of huge import. We have covered that on this channel when jury instructions come up. And I'm like, I know a lot of people, jury instructions can be boring, but the litigation over jury instructions can shift the outcome of a case. Litigation over jury instructions is hugely important. To discuss which jury instructions would fit their desired outcome is so unprofessional and biased. Judges don't have a desired outcome. Judges preside over a fair trial. Oh my God. Okay, so that is so improper, it's unbelievable. Um, also, you shouldn't be discussing jury instructions with your bailiff. Also, 
There's like a list of jury instructions that you give that are like prescribed by law. And then the lawyers ask for other ones and then you rule on them. Oh, I can't. Desired outcome. After publicly regarding the respondent's excessive phone use during trial, the respondent had the security camera moved where she could not be observed. What? Moved the camera. When the camera was subsequently returned to its original location, a black box was inserted to block out the bottom half of the viewing area so that the judge could not be seen. The blocking was eventually removed. We're only on page eight. The pattern of conduct demonstrates respondents' gross neglect of duty. Gross partiality. It's just fucking gross. We are allowed to expect better of professionals. This is unacceptable fuckery. It is a job that you have to take seriously because you are literally, especially in criminal, presiding over people's freedom. You are this, you are the separation of powers that is supposed to block between government overreach and the public. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. The case. I'm not going to get into the details of the case. It's awful. Defendant was held without bond until his trial began on June 7th, 2023. The homicide occurred in 2019. The state was represented by the attorney, Adam uh, Painter, assistant attorney, Ryan Stevenson. Defendant, Christian Marzal, was represented by uh, Velia Lopez and Greg Graves. Capital Trial Counsel for the Oklahoma in, uh, Indigent Defense. I wonder if they, this could have been, because capital trial counsel means that this could have been at some point a capital offense if they had convicted a first degree. Four weeks prior to trial, the state filed a notice of endorsement of personal witness to include Dr. Ryan Brown. The defendant filed a Dauber motion. The respondent did not hear the motion at a motion hearing on May 30th and took the motion under advisement following the jury trial call docket. The assistant district attorney, the ADA, asked the court to rule specifically on the motion prior to the jury's being, jurors being sworn and alerted, alerted the court that the timing of the ruling would determine whether the state could appeal an unfavorable decision. On June 7th, the court took up the outstanding issues before Vordire, uh, but then brought in the jury and stated she would take up the remaining issues later. Once you swear the jury, jeopardy attaches. I see where the DA is worried because the DA is like, if you don't rule before the jury is seated, jeopardy attaches, and then I can't appeal anything. Once jeopardy attaches, it does not matter. The state cannot appeal. No matter what the judge does wrong, the constitutional right of the defendant overrides everything. The DA again asked at the that the evidentiary matters be settled before the jury was sworn. Reasonable. The defense attorney agreed because they're professionals saying they like for the motions to be argued and solved so they know what they can ask and what can be said. You need to know that in Vordier. Respondents said they would maybe take it up that afternoon when they got to the point of swearing the panel. While the DA was addressing the jurors during Vordier, respondent texted that he was sweating through his coat, to which bailiff responded, yes, it's gross, he's gross, and a horrible speaker. 
Regarding the ADA, the respondent commented that they're going to hate him, referring to the jury as they. The bailiff responded, absolutely, he's an arrogant asshole. The bailiff then made a crass and demeaning reference to the prosecuting attorney's genitals, to which the respondent replied with a ha-ha icon. The DA made a reference to a BLT sandwich, and the bailiff remarked that the defense attorney threw his BLT analogy back at him. The respondent replied, trash, with various emojis referencing trash and a BLT. At no time during these exchanges did respondent admonish her bailiff not to discuss the attorneys appearing before the court in such an inappropriate way. Instead, the respondent joined in on the commentary by again referencing the DA's appearance, appearance and stating, why does he have baby hands? They are so weird looking. The bailiff replied, I was told they were tiny, LOL. Conversely, when the defense attorney addressed the jury during voir dire, the respondent remarked, she's awesome. And the bailiff responded, yep, and she's so smart. Following the voir dire, the judge sought to swear the jurors and the state objected. Of course they objected. They wanted the ruling. Again, requesting a ruling on the ability to testify and noting the state would lose its right to an appeal and double jeopardy would attach once the jurors were sworn in. The DA said he thought all parties agreed. They did agree. The respondent overruled the state subjection and swore in the jury. The hearing was held two days after the jury was sworn. The respondent, the judge, sustained the motion and the doctor was not allowed to testify. During opening argument, judge continued to praise the defense attorney by texting her bailiff, can I clap for her? No, you, no, no, you can't. Referencing the DA's office, the respondent noted they are not used to going up against competent attorneys implicitly dismissing the capabilities of the state's attorneys and the defense bar. When the DA began to question witnesses, the bailiff texted, he's horrible, to which the respondent replied, true, to which the bailiff replied, sucks. While a video was played to a witness on the stand, respondent remarked to the bailiff, this shit is boring. Have you never been in court before? A lot of it's boring. You're the judge. I mean, it's not necessarily wrong, but it's your job. It's it's a murder trial. <sighs> the question is, how was this woman seated as a judge? I think it is very hard for the electorate to know how a person will be as a judge. I think it's very difficult for the public to assess judicial temperament. When I look at judicial races, I, A, I know a lot of people who are judges. So the people I know, I can independently assess that because I worked in the court system. For most, you need to look at the legal publications and see what the legal publications say about judicial candidates, because the legal publications will generally tell you what their colleagues say about them. And other lawyers can generally assess somebody's judicial temperament by knowing them. It is very, very difficult when you go to elect a judge to know. A lot of people vote based on name and gender. And it is not their fault. Most people don't pay attention to judge elections because it doesn't, they don't even know how to assess the information. Um, Anna said, where do you find legal publications? I would Google them in your area and see who is endorsing judges or go to the judicial website. I saw the question, why elect them? I think there's a lot of reasons. And if we get into all of them, I don't think we're ever going to get through the day. But it includes, you know, 
allowing the public to choose their judges and allowing the public to yeet their judges. If the public does not like them or sees stuff like this, if she doesn't get removed from the bench, the folks in Oklahoma that saw these stories could vote her off the bench. Someone else can run against her and they can yeet the judge. So, all right. So we've gotten to this shit is boring. I mean, think it, don't say it. While an interview was played, the bailiff mistakenly thought it was a video that the state had previously lost. Respondent said they didn't lose this one, but they should have. The bailiff replied, it doesn't help the state at all, to which respondent affirmed by texting, nope. Later, the respondent texted, state should just accept that a mom could kill their kid. So they went after, state just couldn't accept that the mom could kill their kid. So they went after the next person available, evidencing her opinion about the defendant's innocence. That's not neutral and impartial. Um, For those of you asking in the chat, yes, the news articles said she is 50. Respondent later texted, this is dumb, during the state's direct examination of a witness. Bailiff said, I just hope the jury doesn't buy his shit. Respondent said, he looks constipated. Is that the oh shit look? The judge and her bailiff referred to the co-defendant who was to appear as a witness as a liar at least three times while she is on the stand. What are you doing? The respondent spent a majority of co-defendant's testimony on her phone texting comments like, can I please scream liar, liar? Excuse me, your honor, you're the judge. If you would like to scream liar, liar at witnesses, um, get a YouTube channel. Go ahead. Do what you want to do. You're the judge. Your job is to be impartial, a neutral arbiter of the facts. Also, I don't scream liar, liar at witnesses when I watch trial because the jury gets to decide that, not me, not y'all. We just get to watch and be like, huh, that's odd testimony. I wonder how that's going to land with the jury. The respondent, oh, when a police officer took the stand, the respondent texted, he's pretty, I could look at him all day. I mean, sadly, that's not the first time I've ever heard of a judge objectifying a police officer. That shit happens a lot. To which the bailiff replied, same. When respondent and bailiff also discussed whether one of the jurors is wearing a wig, the respondent texted, that's a wig. Look at that hairline. And later texted, definitely wearing a wig. To which bailiff responded, oh my God, lol. There's a lot of reasons why people might wear wigs. Why are we mocking them? They wondered if another witness had teeth. The respondent texted, the judge texted, no, star witness right there. Okay, so they're assholes. Regarding another witness, the respondent questioned, is she blinking uncontrollably? Good, good. Jesus Christ. Later, the respondent offered her opinion to the bailiff that DNA excluded defendant on the bed. No way they get guilty on murder. During the trial, respondent approached, the judge approached Sergeant Kelly, Captain Chad, and Detective Larry in the hallway, Kelly, Larry, and Chad, and stated that the co-defendant was not believable. Why are you talking to other officers about the case while it's in progress? She did not think the defendant would be found guilty of murder and he would only be sentenced to credit for time served. Oh, so she made up her mind before the jury ever came back. She granted the defendant's request for an additional jury instruction on manslaughter two, which carries a sentence of two to four years. She took the state's request for a murder two instruction, which is an 85% crime with punishment for 10 years under advisement. 
So the judge dropped it from first-degree murder to manslaughter instead of murder two. That's how it got there. When discussing jury instructions with her bailiff, who was traveling at the time by text, the respondent notified her that we are giving an alternative instruction of second-degree manslaughter. Bailiff responded, but no, just enabling child abuse. He didn't kill that kid. Respondent answer, no, man two fits. Can't just do enabling because there is a dead person. Child, like baby. The bailiff responded, so basically mom taking the plea deal screwed him over. The respondent reassured the bailiff, no, man two is two to four years. Enabling is 255 to life. I'd rather give the man two instruction. Bailiff responded, oh, and he's already served that. Respondent replied, yep. When people put their fingers on the scale of justice, it's a problem. When that person is the judge, it's a real big fucking problem. Later that day, respondent denied the state's request for a murder to jury instruction on the basis that the request was made without sufficient evidence or notice. If you're going to give man to, why not give murder? The state then requested the enabling child abuse instruction instead, and the defense objected because there was a dead body, arguing that the case law, arguing there was case law to support the objection. The defense ultimately withdrew the objection because the case law mentioned did not support their position, but the respondent then allowed the enabling child abuse instruction. The jury found the defendant guilty of manslaughter in the second degree and sentenced him to time served, a sentence only a judge could impose. Respondent accepted the verdict and imposed the sentence of four years, giving credit for time served, with no additional time. After trial, a sheriff's deputy advised the DA's office that respondent was seen using her phone throughout the trial. The DA then concluded that the respondent frequently sustained objections for facts not in evidence during his closing because the judge had not, in fact, heard whether the facts were in evidence. Because she was not paying attention. That's what did it. The objections during closing. I was wondering how this all came up. Judge frequently sustained sustained objections for facts not in evidence during the DA's closing argument because the judge had not, in fact, heard whether the facts or reasonable inferences therefrom were in evidence because she was not paying attention. That's why you need to pay attention. It's obvious that this was not a fair trial and needs to be done over. It can't. Can this be retried? No. Uh, double jeopardy applies. So unless the defense appeals for some reason, double jeopardy applies. The state, the state cannot appeal. The person's been convicted. The state can't, the state can't do anything because double jeopardy is applied. <sighs> I see the question in the chat again. Will the judge be disbarred? They're not asking to disbar the judge. They are trying to, this, the state bar would have, this is, Emily, one sentence at a time. <laughs> Pick one, go with it first. This is the judicial council looking at removing the judge from being a judge. The disciplinary actions for lawyers are different than the disciplinary actions for judge. So, the judge can be removed from office, but they are not moving to disbar the judge as an attorney yet. Could they do that on these facts? Probably. Are they going to? We'll see. After becoming aware that a 51-minute video snippet of the trial had been publicized, showing respondents excessive amount of time on her phone, the camera was moved forward at the judge's request to exclude her desk from view. The move left a gaping hole in the ceiling. The camera was later moved back to its original location, but a black box was inserted to block out the bottom half of the viewing area so the judge's desk 
could not be seen. The county commissioners voted to remove any obstructions from the camera's viewing area. Oh boy. Reasoning that Judge was not the only judge using the courtroom and that the other judge, Judge Mueller, not Bueller, Mueller, did not have a problem with the original placement. While on vacation, Mueller received a phone call from a courthouse employee who told her the respondent said she either couldn't be trusted and or better watch her back in light of the county commissioner's decision. Oh, oh boy. Do not start shit with the other judges. They will end it. Oh, oh. I imagine getting that phone call, Judge Mueller was, don't start none if you don't want none. I can, I can see in my brain how this would play out at a courthouse. Like, this viscerally. Um, Heather Copeland is like, that sounds like a threat. It is. It seems like a threat to me. Also seems like a threat to me. Not that I haven't seen judges threaten each other before, because I absolutely have witnessed that firsthand. The thing with the black robes is that um, differences of opinion plus ego plus frustration can all, like, lead to things. But for a new judge to have this level of audacity is really crazy. Just really crazy. She better watch her back. You better watch your back because, like, I'm doing shit at work I'm not supposed to do and you're going to got, get me caught. Yes, Olivia, catch me outside. How about that? It's exactly, exactly. Threatening another judge to cover up her own unethical, improper behavior. She's a new judge. Yeah, this judge has been on this bench six months. Six months. Took the bench in, took the bench in January. This is going down in what, June, July? When the respondent testified before the Council on Judicial Complaints about these matters, she stated that she was texting about things that were probably could have waited. Instead of recognizing that these types of communications should never be made at all. Excuse me, ma'am, you've missed the point. The respondent attempted to mislead the council. Oh, fucking hell. That's never going to go well. The council of other judges are not going to be pleased. The respondent also attempted to mislead the council regarding the timing of her text messages by stating that most of the time she was texting between when a witness would come on or off the stand and there was a pause. Ma'am, there's video. Judges take their shit real serious. Like real, real, like real serious. So telling other judges that it's like, like, you know, it's like no big deal. Like I'm writing a novel. Like I'm just texting about the novel I'm writing about a Mexican prison. Like I just, I'm, you know, and there was a 4th of July celebration. And like, I was just like texting about my novel. So it's really not like, I guess I could have waited, but it's really like, you know, it's like, not like, like a problem. Right. Cause I'm like, I'm just like texting about my book. It's a novel. Like, some of it's true, but, like, most of it's not true. But, like, it's a, it's that. Okay, so. However, the timing of the messages aligned with the time on the video that shows that the texting did not occur during breaks. Uh-huh. Because there's video. And cell phone evidence. Nick White, this judge is literally telling the bailiff to walk the dog. 
When asked if she recognized it was inappropriate at the time, she explained, it was like, oh, that's funny. No, why would it be inappropriate? It's like, oh my God, it's funny, but like you had to be there because he like totally has baby hands though. Like, of course we were making fun of the prosecutor. Like DAs are the worst. Eh, such a drag. Those weird baby hands. Ew. Like if you were there, you would totally have gotten it. Like you would totally get it. Like you just had to be there. Like it wasn't that bad. Like, ha ha. What? The totality of the text messages gives the appearance respondent believed that the defendant was innocent and that she wanted a particular outcome on the case. That appearance and various decisions she made during the case, such as refusing to rule on the Dauber motion and denying the state's request for a murder to instruction after privately expressing her personal preference for a particular jury instruction, give the appearance that the respondent may have taken actions in furtherance of a desired outcome. Like, the other stuff is distasteful. This shit is so deeply, deeply disturbing. The respondent exhibited an absence of objectivity. No shit. And respondent's communications with the bailiff and others reflect a judge who wholly abandoned her neutral role. Lack of temperament for judicial office, harassment, bias, failure to supervise, lack of candor with disciplinary authorities. Lawyers are obligated to bring candor to the court. You don't lose that when you are a judge being questioned by other judges. Why is this talking about hot pink chairs? Chat, what the fuck is happening? In late January, the respondent told a courthouse employee she was going to have men photographed in hot pink chairs in her chambers and her bailiff was going to hang the photographs on her wall. Respondent specifically declared, What? It would be funny. Huh? (laughs) What? Like, it's totally fine. Thereafter, the Council on Judicial Complaints received an allegation that the male attorneys were being asked to... What? Wait, what? This what? What? No, no. She's not just going to have a photo shoot of men in hot pink chairs. No, no. We're not going to magic mic this shit. No, she's asking attorneys in the courthouse to pose for pictures? To pose for pictures? How is this still getting worse? How is this still getting worse? Like, I realize that the sexual harassment of female attorneys is a thing and has been a thing for a very long time. But what you're not going to do is try to, like, balance it out by harassing the male attorneys. How about we just don't harass any of the attorneys? Like, let attorneys just do their job. What? It would be funny. She was asking the male attorneys to pose for pictures in the chair. And the pictures were displayed in the outer chambers. Generally, judicial chambers will have like an antechamber and then a, a chamber. Oftentimes, that's where you will either just be a hallway walkthrough or have a table where you will do meetings. Received an allegation that male attorneys were being asked to pose for pictures in pink chairs and that the pictures were being displayed. Did some of them do it? Some of them must have done it. Hannah in the chat said, a chamber of secrets, a chamber of fucking harassment. (sighs) There were no picture of women in chairs. Some of the men reported feeling uncomfortable, but they did not feel like they could refuse. 
Of course they felt uncomfortable. What weird fucking shit is this? Hey, come to my chambers. Let me photograph you. It's funny. What? No. Can you loosen up your tie just a little? Can you lean? Just like, just give me the smolder. Okay. To the camera. Can we just, okay, no, but I want you to like spread the legs more and lean in. Give me blue steel. Like what the fuck is happening? Oh my God. Some of the men reported feeling uncomfortable. No fucking shit. Excuse me, officer. Can you come to my chambers? Yeah, no. But with just like your utility belt. Mm-hmm. Oh, and your boots. Mm-hmm. Utility belt, boots, in the pink chair. Yes, yes. And then we're going to take pictures. Folks, don't objectify the people that you work with. It's so bad. Some of the men reported feeling uncomfortable. Of course. Of course they did. Of course they did. And I don't mean to make light of the men feeling uncomfortable. I was trying to exemplify how fucking disgusting it was. <sighs> Assistant DA told the judge and the bailiff that the wall of male pictures was sexist. Prior to this comment, the bailiff asked defense attorney uh, Shelley Levisay if she wanted to take a picture in the chairs for the sole purpose of making it seem like it was not sexist. And Levisay declined. After the ADA comment, the respondent judge did not ask the bailiff to remove the pictures, but commented, you're going to get me in trouble with these pink chairs. Oh, so she just turned around and threw the, threw the, bail, threw the bailiff under the bus. Um, bailiff, at that point, you should have transferred courthouse, courtrooms at least. You should have not been texting buddy-buddy about the genitalia of the prosecutor with this woman who's willing to throw you the fuck under the bus. You're going to get me in trouble. You're going to get me in trouble with these chairs. Like, we're asking men to just take these pictures and then we're putting them all over the walls in a really fucking weird way. Just don't exploit people. It's fucking weird. It's not funny. It's just... We... What? After receiving the council's inquiry, so this has been going on and on and on, respondent denied that any of the attorneys were being forced to have their pictures taken. It's inappropriate to ask. And stated, there were photographs of both male and female attorneys hanging in my bailiff's office that she took. Those photographs are provided. The photographs are pictures of two female attorneys, which were taken in the bailiff's cell phone on April 13th, 2023. Yeah, after this. In the afternoon, after respondent received the complaint and falsely submitted it to the council as though the pictures existed all along. Ma'am, did you not practice law enough to learn that anything taken on a cell phone is time-stamped and what you can't do is tell the judicial council, what? It's fine. See, there's pictures of women, too, that were taken after they called you out. Y'all are trying to kill me. All of you were just like, hey, let's do this. Yes. Also, the fact that she's a judge and is in a position of power. Y'all are trying to make my head explode. I can see why I got so many DMs about this case. I worked for judges. Lovely judges. I I just, I am friends with lovely judges. I can't wrap my head around all of this. Sin said, you're so much handsomer when you smile. Mm. Okay. The bailiff stated, 
The judge got the complaint. I called her office, said that Tracy needed her, needed them. And I took the pictures without the judge knowing, trying to protect the judge because the pink chairs were my fault. Not the bailiff coming in with, it was my fault. Ma'am, you worked for the judge. Also, if that's true, the judge should have been like, what you can't do in my courtroom is this. So maybe call the fire department and ask them if they want to do like a, you know, men of whatever fire department calendar and go shoot that. If you want to be a, a, a sassy photographer, take the pink chairs to the fire department for breast cancer awareness or something, but not the attorneys that work in the courthouse. There was a courtroom that I worked in that took Polaroids of every attorney that worked in the courtroom, just at council table. And I was like, why though? Oh, we've got a, you know, photo album of all the attorneys that have worked here. But why though? No, don't. Somewhere I'm in that book. Cause they're like, no, we, we do it with everybody. I'm like, mm, I, I don't like it though. Yes. Binders of lawyers. I, but I was a brand new attorney and it's like, we do that. We, we keep it. We keep a photo album of everybody. But why? I don't know. My photo's in that book. Because brand new attorney. And then I went to one of the defense attorneys and was like, why? Why? Ugh, I don't like any of this. Okay. Two female attorneys came with another attorney at the firm. And the three testified that the bailiff called her around lunch and said, the judge needs you, but gave no additional information. When they arrived, the respondent was on the bench. And while waiting for the judge, the bailiff offered to take their picture. Are you also trying to cast them in a part? When the respondent entered her chambers and told them about the complaint, which read, it is alleged that, you're that you've required male, but not female attorneys to pose for photographs in pink chairs located in your chambers. None of the women mentioned that they just had their pictures taken in the pink chairs. Judge alleges she didn't know the pictures were taken that day. Judge testified when she turned over the pictures of the female attorneys in the pink chairs to her attorney, she thought they were pictures that were already hanging. The fuck you did. How many pictures are there on the wall that you can't keep track of whose photos are there? What? Respondent testified she later learned on Wednesday of last week that they were not. Respondent testified she asked the bailiff about the pictures and the bailiff told her she did not take the pictures before respondent got the complaint. Respondent testified on July 19th. Respondent judge testified July 19th was the first time she learned that the photos of the female attorneys were taken. Why is this bailiff trying to get her back? Bullock testified judge knew about the female attorneys being photographed after the complaint was received long before Wednesday of last week. Bullock testified the women had multiple conversations about the complaints, pink chair, and pictures. Oh, this is all that they're talking about in this courthouse. There's no way everyone in this fucking courthouse and all the surrounding courthouses don't know everything about this. Everything about this. All of it. Everyone knows. Everyone in this legal community knows exactly what the fuck is happening. And are, are literally texting one another being like, did this judge make you take weird pictures at a pink chair? What the fuck is this about? Oh. Bullock testified the women had multiple conversations about the complaints, pink chair, and pictures, including a conversation in early May at a girls' dinner or in late June at a conference 
when Kelly specifically told Judge about being photographed. Your Honor, what the fuck's up with the weird pink chairs? Judge, at best, knew that the May 18th response and evidence provided to counsel was false in June 2023. At worst, she knew in early May. And at the time they were submitted, at worst, she knew in early May at the time they were submitted that the pictures were fabricated. So let me get this straight. This judge has sexually harassed people that work at her courthouse or harassed people that work at her courthouse. We don't know the full nature of the pictures. I made an assumption has at least harassed people that work in her courthouse, has lied to the Judicial Council investigating her more than once, when complaints were made about the cell phone use, moved the camera not to check the behavior, but to hide it better. Matt, the future ESQ, is asking, can this turn into a class action? This is not a lawsuit, so no. This is a judicial action against this judge, and we're only 18 pages in, and my head's about to explode. Despite testifying to the counsel that the false statements and evidence she submitted were attributable to her bailiff, Judge has not terminated her bailiff as an employee for not only allegedly lying to her, but for also allegedly causing her to submit false evidence to an investigating body. I think they're using allegedly because they don't believe that this is the bailiff's fault. That's my interpretation. It's like my opinion. The conduct shows a lack of, lack of temperament to serve as a judge and demonstrates impropriety, bias based on gender, failure to properly supervise court staff, failure to cooperate with, and to be honest and candid with judicial disciplinary agencies. The amount of stuff we put up with as lawyers sometimes. There was another judge that just didn't like working with female attorneys. And there were offices that were like, we'll only sell male attorneys there then. We'll just, we'll send the dudes. This judge will be easier to deal with if we just send the dudes. <sighs> Decorum and bias on February 14th, Valentine's Day. The state, the DAs, sought to increase bond for defendant because additional counts of lewd acts with a child were added to his preliminary, were added at his preliminary hearing, and he was charged in another county with lewd acts with a child and was arrested in Kansas. These are very serious allegations. The defendant's girlfriend was present during the hearing to testify, but was never called. While waiting for a deputy to... I'm, I'm already having the ick about all of this. While waiting for a deputy to arrive and remand defendant to jail, judge addressed the girlfriend without prompting by saying, Miss Argo, I don't know how long that you and the defendant have been dating, but you might want to reconsider your life choices in this case. <sighs> The girlfriend responded, I've read the preliminary hearing, Your Honor. And the judge snapped back, I'm sorry. The defense attorney stepped in to tell the respondent that he had advised the witness to remain silent. Ma'am, it is none of your business. 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 I have seen judges say tremendously kind things when a case is done. You guys watched the sentencing in the Brooks case with me. And the judge gave, I thought, a lot of compassion to those that testified, to the victims, to the, um, the things that they have been through, through the courage that it takes, and addressed that during sentencing. 
at the end of a case. This is commenting on a defendant's alleged behavior after a preliminary hearing before the case is resolved, which means this individual is still innocent until proven guilty. The allegations are bad. You might think in your brain, um, ma'am, this is, this is not the person you want to date. But it's not appropriate to say it off the bench. Because, again, these are allegations. And then got pissed that the response was, I know. I've, I, I'm aware. I am a sentient being that is aware of what's happening and capable of making my own life choices. Thanks, Your Honor. Oh, gosh. On February 28th, the state, through the DAs, were scheduled to appear before defend, uh, before judge in State B. Kempf. The agreement between the state and the defendant was to dismiss the original charge of lewd or indecent acts with a child under 16 in exchange for a new charge on three counts of child abuse. Is this judge in a specialty court? Uh, it's giving specialty court with like the most vulnerable victims because the types of cases that are coming before this judge are consistently, there are three now that they have talked about, all of them involve harm to children. Is this a specialty court? Because that's a lot of cases that are in the similar classification. So this is a third defendant. This is Ludax, Luder and Decent Acts to a Child in exchange for child abuse charges. And the defendants will be sentenced one week in the county jail and five years suspended. The original charge was filed by the prior administration of the DA's office, and the prior administration agreed to offer the defendant only a suspended sentence on reduced charges prior to the hearing. The DA's office spoke with the victims in the case and discussed the plea agreement and the prior administration versus this new plea agreement and advised of the victim's right to appear at the hearing on the day of the hearing. The victims failed to appear, but the state noted one victim submitted an impact statement and that the victims had been made aware of the agreement. The defense attorney stated on the record he concurred with the state's restatement of their communications and notices of both the defendants and the victims after accepting the plea the judge stated oh fuck if i could force the district attorney to take this case to trial i would not be giving you such a light sentence it's not your place on september 17th and again on may 18th judge directed an email to the local defense the defense bar, the DA's office, and other court officials stating, the following is required for matters that will be entering a plea. The minimum required community service hours is 100. Ma'am. So the DA's office is part of the executive branch, right? Because they're fulfilling the duties of the legislative branch. But you are part of the judicial branch. And there's this thing under the Constitution under which you serve called separation of powers. It's not your job. You are the arbiter. You are not the DA's office. You have to follow the law. If the DA's office is doing something that contravenes the law, that is a problem. And you can say, hey, I can't do that. The law says this. But you can't make up arbitrary requirements. You can't do that. This is not your job. Who started papering her? I need to know how many attorneys just started papering this judge. 
Like, this case is assigned to this judge. And they're like, no, it's not. Did we just pay? Who's papering this judge? Paper. Paper. This is assigned to this judge. Negative. We're not doing that. We're not appearing before this judge. No way. No way. I wonder when that started. If it started. I've got questions. I've got questions for the ADAs practicing in this jurisdiction. Were you just papering this job for every case that was assigned to this judge? And if not, why do that? Following the court's acceptance of the plea, one of the victims published a Facebook post stating her disagreement with the plea and the judge's sentence. The judge's bailiff provided a copy of the Facebook post to the judge. It's none of your business. That is between the DA's office and the victim's. Judges can refuse to accept pleas. That can happen. What is papering? I appreciate this question. It is, uh, you are allowed to paper a judge saying you are not, you you are not appearing before that judge. So I don't know what it's, uh, what code section it would fall under in Oklahoma. In California, it's a 170.6 objection to the judge. So you can object to the judge. It is, it is, you have a paper that you sign and you go, no. You do it at the earliest point where the case is assigned to that judge. And judges can recuse themselves. Attorneys can paper the judge saying, I'm not going to bring this case before you. So one of the victims published a Facebook post stating disagreement. This has nothing to do with this judge. The judge then told an employee of the courthouse that the state lied to her. And this was the second time they've lied to her and it's two strikes, you're out. Ma'am, Go to the head of the DA's office. If you feel that the DAs are lying to you, you need to go talk to the DA's office and probably the defense attorney's office. And be like, uh-uh. Although the plea agreement did not include community service, she further advised the defendant that she requires a minimum of 100 hours of community service. These are not your plea agreements to make. With all plea agreements, and was adding that to his sentence to be completed within six months. That's not your job. During a conversation with judge in chambers, the DA asked her about this case. She stated... Your district attorney lied to me. We'll discuss that on the record. Yeah, pull him in. Pull him in and have a chat on the record. Fine. A hearing was held on the record. Keep reading, Emily. A hearing was held on the record on April 25th, but defense counsel was not giving notice of the hearing, even though the defendant was given a suspended sentence and any revocation would be heard by the judge. Can't do that. On the record, judge accused the DA's office of lying to her because a victim posted on Facebook that she did not agree with the plea deal. Victims don't always agree with plea deals. Doesn't mean they weren't notified of it. Respondent then stated she was filing a bar complaint against the attorney to investigate the issue. Ma'am, that's rich. Your attorney should be investigated. Ma'am? To date... Judge has not filed a bar complaint. Oh, you were just threatening them. Hmm. Don't do that. Individuals commenting on the Facebook post were not complimentary of the judge's role in the sentence, suggesting that she should not have accepted it or that it was her idea. A judge can choose to not accept a plea. Your Honor, we've agreed to this plea deal. The judge can say no. Respondent's bailiff provided the comments to the Facebook post to the judge at her request why? This is not, this is not going to go well. Judge attempted to mislead counsel in testifying to the contrary. Judge testified that the bailiff did not provide her the comments after the Facebook post, that she had not seen the comments and that she did not ask the bailiff to provide them to her. Oh, so then 
she's again throwing her bailiff under the bus. Judge to bailiff, probably. Oh my God, but what are they saying about me? Are they talking about me on Facebook? Like, what did they say? What did they say about me? Do they talk about my hair? Do they think I'm cute? Do they like me? Please tell me that they like me. Wait, they don't like me? Fuck them. Do you you have a stock account? Like, do you have a Slack account? Okay, I'm going to need you to go on Facebook and be like, oh my God, totes, that's not even it. This judge is way dope. I need to know if there were any Slack accounts involved in responding to these. Chat, you keep telling me it gets worse. (sighs) Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't. On March 21st, the DAs appeared before judge alongside defense attorney in a different case. Conley. For the defendant to enter an agreed plea of not guilty by reason of mental illness on various felony charges related to a fatal auto accident. Okay, maybe not a specialty court. The victim's family was present in the courtroom and asked the ADA to read a victim's impact statement to the court. Respondent judge signed a journal entry finding the defendant not guilty by reason of mental illness, which provided the defendant would present to the Oklahoma Forensic Center for an examination to determine whether the defendant is presently mentally ill and a danger to the public peace or safety. I imagine this is a docket entry. The journal entry further ordered the parties to appear back within 45 days for a hearing to ascertain whether there was a need for continued supervision based on the underlying examination. Multiple witnesses in the courtroom that day affirm it was obvious the parties were present for a plea and sentencing. So the judge wasn't going to do the plea and sentencing. On March 27th, judge entered an order vacating the March 21st entry because it contains inaccurate statements and findings. That's odd. Judge indicated others to others following the hearing that the state lied to her in their presentation of the case because she did not understand when signing the journal entry that the defendant would not be punished. She thought she was sending the defendant to the forensic center to determine whether she could stand trial. Was she on her phone? And that's why she missed what they said? If there are victims' families in the courtroom with victims' impact statements, everyone knew what they were there for. So she misunderstood and then tried to blame everybody else. Judge instituted a policy that all plea paperwork must be completed with a copy delivered to her chambers no later than Friday before the Tuesday disposition docket. Things aren't always done by then. Lincoln County Attorney Thompson mentioned to respondent that it was a hardship for him to prepare and deliver out-of-custody plea paperwork on Friday before Tuesday disposition docket. Judge responded to attorney, it's not you I'm worried about, it's the DAs. They've given me a reason in the past not to trust them. Missy Johnson is employed as a coordinator in the county. Judge has stated to other people in the courthouse that she does not believe anything Missy Johnson says. This is just, it's just like on and on and on. Judge further testified at the council that she has made unkind comments about Ms. Johnson to her bailiff, Angela Miller, and she has concerns about Ms. Johnson's credibility. She thinks everybody's lying to her. If everyone else is the problem, maybe everyone else isn't the problem. (sighs) Judge sought advice from other judges in the courthouse on how to get Missy Johnson removed from her courthouse because she wants her gone. 
again, not your job. On August 22nd, respondent screamed and pointed her finger at Missy Johnson in front of her supervisor, Tiffany Karam, because Johnson assisted the court clerk in entering a court minute order at Judge Mueller's request for a case assigned to Judge Mueller. Judge Mueller revoked the defendant's pretrial release bond because the defendant violated terms of pretrial release. Subsequent to defendant being remanded back to custody, judge contacted the court clerk demanding to know who authorized the revocation. It's not your case. This is the judge that she uh, threatened. It's not okay to scream at people. Johnson took her supervisor with her to respondent's chambers where respondent screamed and pointed her finger at her. Missy explained that Judge Mueller ordered the revocation and she had a text message from the judge indicating the same. The judge calmed down but said something to the effect of, it's not that I don't trust you, but you must come and see me to get warrants signed or issued. It's not your case, though. What, you think you outranked the other judge? Why? On February 21st, case was set before judge for plea agreement on a motion to revoke for violation of a victim's protective order. Violation of protective orders are serious business. I, I, hate, I hate to keep reading. Judge contacted defense counsel asking that he and the DA appear prior to the plea hearing to discuss with her the issues in the case. Okay, fine. Something's going to go wrong or it wouldn't be in here. At the meeting, judge told the attorneys she could not accept the plea because she reviewed the underlying VPO and did not believe it was still in effect, even though it had been ordered to remain in effect in a companion domestic matter. So the judge lied to the attorneys or the judge is incompetent? Is the judge a liar or is the judge incompetent in this? When asked about whether she was advocating for one side or engaging in an independent investigation when she obtained information about the VPO, she testified that she could not rely on the defense counsel to have researched that on behalf of their client because the defense counsel was Zach Privet, who judge explained to the counsel she believes is incompetent. Ma'am. You can't be on the bench doing counsel's job. You don't get to do the defense counsel's job. You don't get to do the prosecutor's job. You need to the fuck do your job. I think this defense attorney's incompetent. Ma'am, if you think everyone else is incompetent, the counsel would like to remind you that it's not them. Emily, can you make this document available to us? Yes, it is publicly available. I can just give you the link to the case. Oklahoma State Courts Network, this is the case. I'm going to give it to Megalina. And we can put it in the description and put it in the chat. But yes, this is the public docket for the matter. So yes, we can. Emily, keep reading. Damn it! When asked if she just did not trust that his defense counsel had checked it out, respondent replied that she did not. Judge was asked if, when the judge made a comment like that, could the defense attorney ever appear before her since she questioned his abilities? And it could be perceived that she was trying to help the defendant because she did not think his counsel was competent. Judge said that that was not her primary thought. It should be. Her primary thought was whether she was going to find the defendant guilty knowingly um, if there was a factual basis for that. Judge testified she was concerned about what the defense 
had done his competent yes, I guess, yes. That was some of the conversation. When asked if she would agree to some extent that she was trying to make up for some of his defects, she said yes. Not your job, ma'am. Not your job. During the state versus Martzall trial, respondent mocked the state in a text message to her bailiff, stating they are not used to going up against competent attorneys. When asked who the attorneys were appearing opposite the state who were not competent, judge replied, Oh my God, you guys, there are a number of attorneys that appear in my courtroom that are not to the level that I practiced at, not as prepared as I was when I go to trial and not having exhibits and those type of things. My personal opinion is they're sloppy or they're lazy. As an example, our OIDS attorney very rarely, if ever, files any kind of motion on any issue. And one attorney in particular who I have great fondness for that is very rarely prepared, Zach Privet. I mean, have you guys ever seen Zach in court? Mess. Like, your honors, you kind of just needed to be there. Like, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. Like, I'm up here. Okay, and these attorneys are, like, down here. Like, we're not on the same level. And that's really hard for me, your honors. Like, you're not seeing how hard this is for me. Like, I have to be in court with these attorneys being boring, being unprepared, being disrespectful. Like, they ask me to do things that I just don't want to do. They're not doing their job the way I thought that they should. Like, this is not what I signed up for. I wanted a bigger paycheck, and I, like, don't want to get pulled over anymore for speeding. That's why I'm a judge. Not to put up with, like, this. Like, Ew, your honor. Ew. Sorry. Um, it was it was it was giving uh junior high. My bad. So when this judge is called out on their behavior, what they did was try to explain their behavior and be like, but you don't understand, see, because they they are bad and I'm better. Respondents' derogatory statements about and conduct towards the Lincoln County District Attorney's Office or the Lincoln County District Attorney and his staff have risen to a level such that her impartiality would reasonably be questioned in any case in which they appeared before her. Were they papering her? Her conduct in this regard to include telling multiple courthouse staff that the ADAs have lied to her on multiple occasions and thereafter threatening to file bar complaints against them based on ex-party communications she received Joking about the size of an attorney's penis during trial. Wait, attorney's penises. Joking about the size of attorney's penises during trial, implying that the state lied about missing evidence and calling them a variety of names constituting not only violations of Rules 1.2, 2.3, 2.8, and the Code of Judicial Conduct, but also constituting gross partiality as the term is used in Article 7A, Section 1B of the Oklahoma Constitution. Ma'am. No. Likewise, respondents' derogatory statements about an Oklahoma court service coordinator, Missy Johnson, that she is a liar and wants her gone, and that the Lincoln County OIDS attorney, Charles Thompson, and the defense attorney, Zach Privet, are incompetent, are statements of gross partiality. It's all gross. Oh, more gross partiality and oppression. There's more. There's more. How the fuck is there more? This should have been an entire episode. I was not prepared. I was not prepared. 
Chad, I was not prepared for this. On January 24th, defense attorney Adam Banner appeared before respondent for the district court arraignment in State versus Roberts. Roberts was charged with, the, with murder and his trial was set for June 5th. At the arraignment, judge advised Banner, attorney, she was going to continue the trial till October because there was another in-custody murder case first for June 5th. At his client's insistence, attorney advised judge that his client wanted to be second up in the remaining uh, and remain on the June 5th jury term. Respondent rolled her eyes at him and changed her tone and demeanor with him thereafter. Okay, so rolled her eyes and changed her tone and demeanor with the defendant for ex for for asserting his constitutional rights. The chat is now realizing that this judge has only been on the bench for six months. How does this, how does all of this happen in six months? On March 24th, 2023, that defense attorney banner appeared before judge for motion hearings in State versus Roberts, same case. Roberts was charged with first degree murder for the shooting death of a rival motorcycle club member. Ma'am, ma'am, don't fuck with the MC defendants. What are you doing? A variety of motions were docketed to be heard that day, including the defendant's stand-your-ground motion, so self-defense, defendant's motion for bond, state's notice of intent to use gang evidence, and defendant's objection thereto, the outcome of which would determine whether the motorcycle group, the MC, was referenced as a gang during the trial. The defendant's wife testified during, they said wife, not old lady, I'm offended. Sorry. Motorcycle clubs. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The defendant's wife testified during the hearing on the stand your ground motion and was apparently blinking a lot. Being in court is really fucking stressful. So I imagine it's more so if your spouse is on trial or going to be on trial for first degree murder. Your Honor, did you not watch Sons of Anarchy? What is happening? You could, you know, if you're going to objectify folks, maybe just watch Sons of Anarchy and just like leave it to the TV. During the testimony, Judge made eye contact with her bailiff and began blinking fast at her, mocking the witness that was sitting between them. Between them. She was mocking the witness in front of the witness while the witness was on the witness stand. Your Honor. This is this is not judicial behavior, ma'am. You are a nasty junior high school student wielding power over others. I, our profession weeps for you. I, I might be more mad at this judge than I am at Girardi. I have to I have to I have to contemplate who I'm more mad at. Because Girardi was stealing from the most vulnerable. But this judge is putting her whole fucking foot on the scales of justice. How does this keep going? My brain hurts. Okay. During the testimony, respondent made eye contact with her bailiff and began blinking fast at her, mocking the witness that was sitting between them. I bet the attorney saw it, and that's how they know this. Later in the hearing, when addressing the motion for bond, judge stated to the defendant, I don't know that I can place you in the custody of your wife quite simply because I find some of her testimony to be incredible. Not credible. 
Following the hearing, Judge laughed to another courthouse staff member about having caught her bailiff's attention during the hearing to blink at her and explain that the witness probably starts blinking when she's lying. Approximately two and a half months later, how is this still going? During the Martzall trial, that's the one we talked about in the media articles, judge and bailiff exchanged text messages about whether the mother, co-defendant, was blinking as much as the wife in the Roberts trial. Following redirect of the defendant's wife, judge inquired of the witness herself. Don't do that. Judge asked 17 questions, which concluded with her asking the state to hold up a piece of paper with a number drawn on it for the witness to read the number from the stand. At issue was whether the witness could clearly see the information about which she testified. Ma'am, not your job. Many of defendants' friends, family, and supporters were present in the courtroom that day. Following counsel's arguments on the bond motion and a discussion of the conditions of the defendant's bond, judge stated, But he's also in a biker gang that apparently likes to do some really ridiculous things that grown-ups shouldn't really be doing. Oh, my God. So that's a strike against him, but he's a member of a gang. That's a negative. That's a negative. I find the notion of motorcycle gangs and danger to the community in this kind of day and age to be ludicrous. And I'm talking to anyone in the audience that may be in one of those gangs. Be adults. This is ridiculous. Who in here is a member of the outlaw motorcycle gang? I have a very good memory. And if you come to court to testify and testimony comes out that you are a member of the outlaw motorcycle gang or the pagan motorcycle gang, and you have sat in my courtroom and didn't raise your hand, we're going to have a big problem. I'm remembering your faces. And I didn't even exaggerate any of that. That's what the fuck she said on the record. On the record. Also, people have a right against self-incrimination, ma'am. Excuse me, can you please just tell me which one of you are gang members while you're sitting here in court? Also, why are there two different motorcycle clubs? I wonder if this was a shooting between motorcycle clubs. Um, and that's why there's members of two different motorcycle clubs in the courtroom at the same time. Um, it's rich, Your Honor, that you're telling them to be adults. Ma'am, you're texting your bailiff about the size of the DA's dick. Come now. Telling people to be adults. In her May 19th written response to the Judicial Council investigating her, Judge argued that she did not call any individual ridiculous or ludicrous. She said, this is ridiculous. I find the notion to be ludicrous. The hearing on the state's notice to introduce gang evidence and the defendant's objection was continued to April 10th. She hadn't even determined whether the gang was a gang yet. Space Cat asked, how did she get hired? Oh, Space Cat, she was elected. Because I don't think anyone expected this. Later the same day, the judge published on Facebook to a group called Girl Attorney, okay? Sidebar. Judges shouldn't be posting about their cases on social media at all. It goes against the canons of judicial ethics. But either way, here we go with what the judge posted to Facebook in the Girl Attorney OK Facebook group later. Note to future self. 
Calling motorcycle gangs stupid and juvenile to a room full of gang members may get you on a hit list. (laughs) And later she responded to her own post, one of these days I'll learn to be judicial. Oh my God, you guys, I'm so edgy. Like, (laughs) I mocked a bunch of gang members in front of them. Uh. Stop it! The defense attorney was made aware of the Facebook post by both the prosecutors for the DA's office and two female attorneys or interns from their law firm, at least one of which was also a member of the girl attorney. Oh, they mean okay like Oklahoma, not okay like, okay? My my bad. (laughs) That makes more sense now. It appeared to the defense attorney that despite not yet holding the hearing on whether the motorcycle organization or club could be termed a gang and whether his client could be referred to as a gang member, given that she referred to the group as gang in her post, that she had already made up her mind. Uh, yeah. Moreover, it appeared to the defense attorney based on the statement that the judge believed that his client and associates would kill another human being without legal justification. Yeah, the judge isn't judging. She's like, oh, they're going to green light me. Cute. On Monday, March 27th, defense attorney contacted the judge's chambers to schedule an in-camera meeting to request that the judge disqualify from the case pursuant to the rules. Excuse me, Your Honor, you're clearly biased in this case. Yeet thyself. Judge was out of the office and bailiff demanded to know why. The defense attorney would be seeking the judge's disqualification before agreeing to call her to schedule a date for an in-camera request. After speaking with the judge, the bailiff called the defense attorney and said, Judge wants names. She wants to know where you got that information from. Was it Rachel? It was Rachel, wasn't it? Referring to assistant attorney Rachel Thompson, it was Rachel, wasn't it? Tell me it was fucking Rachel. (laughs) Fuck you, Rachel. The defense attorney confirmed that Rachel was the person that provided the information to him, but not the only person, and the bailiff said, She wants all the names. All of them. Also, the defense attorneys have a right to know this information. The judge shouldn't be posting this on social media. And good for the DAs for letting the defense attorneys know that the judge was exhibiting bias, a bias that favored their position. The only appropriate thing for the DAs to do is be like, I need you to know that this happened. I am aware of it. Good on the DAs. After this, the judge wants to put out a hit list at this point, it seems. She's absolutely creating a burn book. She needs all the names. Okay, so she's absolutely building a burn li- a burn book. She needs names. It's full, full mean girl vibes. You're a judge. Like, literally be above it. Maybe some fucking therapy. After disconnecting the call with the defense attorney to call the judge back with the names, the bailiff called the defense attorney a second time to inform him that the in-camera would be taken up April 10th at 9 a.m., and he should bring a written motion on the Rule 15 request and that all previous orders in the case were stayed. The defense attorney clarified that under Rule 15, future proceedings are stayed, to which the bailiff replied, No, all of her orders, including the bond, are stayed. Oh, fuck. You can't punish the defendant because of your own behavior. 
the defense attorney concluded that the judge had predetermined she would not grant the in-camera request based on her statement to the bailiff that he should bring a written motion. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't take forward looking. It doesn't take a a swath of tarot cards to to derive that this is what the judge is going to do. Shortly after the defendant, sorry, the defense attorney contacted the judge's chambers and she learned her post on the Girl Attorney OK Facebook group had been shared with him. She published a subsequent post. Fucking hell. Removing herself from the group. Oh my God. You're a judge. Prior to the in-camera request on April 10th, defense attorney advised the DA that he thought it was important to get the in-camera proceeding on the record. When the bailiff let the defense attorney and DA know that the judge was ready for them, defense attorney said to the bailiff, okay, we want the court reporter. Oh no, DA said to the bailiff, okay, we want the court reporter. Bailiff went to talk to the judge and then told them, a judge will not allow a court reporter in her chambers. The attorneys both said, we want a court reporter. And then the attorneys could hear a loud bellow from chambers, no. Ma'am, they don't trust you. Just do it on the record then. This is not a weird thing. Judges have judges have in-chambers hearings with court reporters literally all the time. This is not weird. After the attorneys entered chambers, judge advised that she previously called a judge who told her she's not required to put this on the record. The defense attorney said, you might not be required to put it on the record, but when we request that it goes on the record, that means you're required to put it on the record. After she again refused, defense attorney told judge he wanted to go into the courtroom and make a record about the judge not allowing him to make a record. Good for the defense attorney standing up for his client. Respondent rolled her eyes and says, are you serious? When he affirmed, she rolls her eyes again and says, okay, go in my courtroom. Ugh. Like, why? What does it matter to her if it's on the record? In her written response dated May 19th, Judge acknowledges that both parties were requesting a court reporter in chambers, and both parties requested to make a record in the courtroom about the judge not allowing them a record. Witness testimony and transcripts make clear that both parties requested a court reporter, and the judge is aware that they were requesting one. During her testimony before the counsel on judicial complaints on July 24th, Judge asked if she believed only one party was requesting a court reporter or both, and she answered as follows. So on May 19th, she said she knew both there. I feel I can see the trap being sprung. On May 19th, in her written request, she said, both parties were asking for a reporter. During her testimony on July 24th, she says this. One. At the time, I originally said no. Miss Thompson was standing at my door. Not like at my door, but at the bailiffs like in the hallway she's not yelling at me angrily but she's away from me she's like we want a record and i'm like you want a record no not in my not in, not in my chambers like not in my chambers like ah, my chambers no so you sought advice from other judges before you were aware that both sides because at one point you did become aware that both sides wanted a court reporter isn't that accurate am i remembering that correctly not until I went into, like, not until I went into the courtroom and made the record of me not allowing the record. Lies. 
Can I just scream liar in Khloe Kardashian's voice? I need a sound drop. Liar! Can I just like scream liar, liar? When the parties moved into the courtroom to make a record about the respondent not allowing a record, and again, that both sides requested a court reporter, judge said she would not allow a court reporter for the in-camera request unless and until either side could give her statutory authority requiring her to do so. She then gaveled out and slammed the door to her chambers. I've actually seen a judge storm off the bench and slam their door like a child. It's a very unnerving thing. You're like, oh, you need to like take a deep breath or something. During the 15-minute break, both parties found Title 20, Section 106.4. I love that they're just working together. Of the Oklahoma statute, which requires a court reporter transcribe a judicial proceeding upon request by any party. Show me the law. Fine. Here. Ugh. Gross. Thereafter, but without any conversation with counsel, the bailiff entered the courtroom and advised that the judge decided to allow them to have a record. Like, it's not like the law requires me to, okay? I just changed my mind, like, independently. Why? I'm allowed to change my mind. Ew. In written response to counsel, Judge stated that she inquired of Judge Balkman if she was required to allow the attorneys to have a court reporter during the in-chambers hearing. He advised no. He would do it on the record and keep it short. And then under oath at a hearing before the Council on Judicial Complaints on July 24th, Judge again testified that Judge Balkman told her that's not how that worked and that's not allowed. Judge Balkman would like to have a conversation with you, ma'am. Judge Balkman disagrees. Judge Balkman admits that respondent contacted him about the issue, but denies giving that advice and further testified he would not give that advice because he does not believe it's in accordance with the law. So she has thrown her bailiff under the bench, under the bench. Yes, under the bench. She has thrown her bailiff under the bench. She has thrown other judges under the bench. She has threatened another judge. She threatened an entire motorcycle gang and told them to act like adults. She uh, mocked and maligned witnesses, attorneys. Took The weird pictures is now becoming one of the least weird things in all of this, which is really fucking weird. Judge also inquired of Judge Kirk how to handle the request to make a record of the in-camera proceeding. It's literally not that hard. Excuse me, court reporter, can you just come have a seat? We're gonna we're gonna just have an in-chambers chit-chat. I need it to be on the record. That's literally how that works. Sorry, you're right. Two motorcycle gangs. Judge Kirk, uh, let's see. A respondent inquired of Judge Kirk. Judge Kirk advised to allow the court reporter and be consistent between the in-camera and the courtroom requests. Before hearing the in-camera request, respondent judge told Judge Kirk she was going to deny the request. Nah. Yeah, 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 law, whatever, nah. Judge was provided a copy of the criminal bench book at the 2022 Judicial College. Section 37.1 of the bench book provides a checklist for many issues related to court reporters and specifically recites, oh, they've just laid it out for her, specifically re recites 20 OS 106.4, which provides that refusal of court to permit or to require statements to be taken down and transcribed by a court reporter is a denial of due process. In response to defense attorney's arguments regarding judges' perceived and actual displays of bias, 
Judge argued, I'm human. Uh, excuse me, counsel. I'm human. I'm entitled to have an opinion of the things that go on in the world. Every judge on the bench is entitled to an opinion about the things that go on in the world. It's like my opinion. Okay. So there's a judicial code of ethics, right? And so even though you might have an opinion, you can't deny people due process is the thing. Judge then went on to deny the in-camera request because she did not believe the statements she made on Facebook met the standards set forth in the rule. Of course, she didn't. The, the rule regarding impartiality? You're not impartial when you've already determined that the motorcycle club is, in fact, a gang under the law, and you've mocked about the fact that they're going to put you on a hit list. It's not going to work. The motion was denied. Shocking. Judge testified to the inquiry counsel that she recognized her statements on Facebook about motorcycle gangs and hit lists were inappropriate before the in-camera hearing, yet still made the parties go through the hearing and refused to disqualify. The fuck? Specifically, she testified, quote, I, I agree today, and I agreed on March 27th when Mr. Roberts' attorney, Mr. Banner, called my office to say he was requesting that I recused. Yes, it's like, today I agree it's an inappropriate statement. And I agreed back then, too. I didn't recuse at that point of time because I felt again in court, and Mr. Banner had stated to me, all times I was appropriate to him and his client, and I don't feel like I was biased against, like, Mr. Roberts. You know? Judge. Judge, you just had to be there. Like, I knew I shouldn't have done that, but, like, it's not really a big deal, so whatevs. Like, you just had to be there. Defense attorney. This defense attorney must have been losing their mind. Defense attorney specifically addressed both actual bias and the appearance of bias with judge during his request. On appeal and without a hearing, Judge Turner, the presiding judge, um, issued an order disqualifying the judge. They appealed it. They appealed it. Good for you. I mean, kudos to defense counsel. Defense counsel was like, this is seven types of fucked. So we're going to just take it up on appeal. And the appellate court the administrative district looked at that and went, oh, fuck. Goodbye. This has all happened within six months. In her written response to the inquiry counsel, judge responded, Judge Turner advised me he was granting the motion to recuse because I discussed a case pending before me, not because I had shown bias towards the defendant. What's the big deal? Like... <laughs> I was talking about ongoing cases. I'm not, like, biased against, like, gangsters or whatever. The judge recounted that he did not state he found no bias, and it's the appearance, not real bias, that counts. Judge Turner's like, the fuck I did? How is this still happening? How is this still happening? In other pending cases, on May 30th, counsel for defendants in State versus Batty and State versus Allen approached judge in camera seeking her recusal on these cases 
as both involve defendants who associate with motorcycle clubs or gangs, and the defendants, I mean defense attorneys, but defendants, felt that respondents' comments on Girl Attorney OK Facebook group did not give the appearance of a fair and impartial judge in cases involving motorcycle clubs. Yep. On July 24th, before the inquiry council, the judge said the parties had not yet made an in-camera request, and the parties don't really know all the specifics, your honors. Like, you just had to be there. I I just, can't I be human on Facebook? Like, why? She said, quote, when they came in at this point in time, I wasn't, like, I wasn't, I didn't know anything about their case, right? I didn't know that it involved motorcycle gangs or clubs or whatever. I didn't know anything about the case because it had been up on immunity. I hadn't reviewed it, which is what I told them. I don't know anything about your case. I don't know anything about your, like, what they're charged with, what the facts of the case are, or anything about that. So let's hold the phone She says, hold the phone. This transcript is her saying, hold the phone to the Judicial Review Council. This is her retelling what she's saying to the attorneys. The lack of self-awareness is spectacular. So let's like hold the phone. What I'm going to ask you to do, because I know you're not going to be on this jury term, let's put a pin in this. And come back. So in the event that you need to go forward with like additional steps, we have plenty of time because I know I'm not going to be able to get you a hearing on a request right now because like I've dealt with these other cases that are set for this jury term that I need to get dealt with. Like it just doesn't work for my schedule right now. And we were just there for a status. I set another date and I said that, you know, Talk to Judge Turner, review the transcripts, because both of them came in and said, we really don't know all of the things. We don't have a motion filed or anything. We just, like, heard about what you said on Facebook. And so I said, well, let's put a pin in this. Like, I'm not biased. I'm just a human on Facebook. We can take this up at another date when I know I'm going to have time. And so we haven't yet had the in-camera request other than the very, very quick, like, judge, we don't really know all the specifics. We're going to ask you to recuse. Um, but we haven't gone through that process yet. So, your honors, uh, you just needed to, like, be there. It's not really a problem. It's a problem if you're forced recused from a case involving motorcycle clubs, you can't be on the other cases. Oh my God, they're still talking about Facebook. However, four other people in the room recounted that the details of the defendant's association in the motorcycle clubs was explained to her and they're concerned that the Facebook post presented an issue with respect to her ability to be fair and impartial in their case. Excuse me, we told you? All four further recounted the respondent denied the request to recuse during an in-camera request because she stated she did not know their clients had made any specific comments about those clients, so there was nothing to suggest she could not be fair. How many times has she lied to the inquiry panel? Are we counting? I didn't know I needed to be counting lies to the inquiry panel. Oh my God, this needed its own episode. But here we are. Too deeply invested to go anywhere else. 
Respondent's denial of the request is further evidenced by the defendant's filing motions to recuse on July 13th and July 14th. After conferencing with Judge Turner at the Judicial Conference in mid-July, Judge filed a recusal in both cases. Yeah, I imagine, this is my imagination, that Judge Turner was like, what the fuck are you doing? Respondent received specific training on social media usage and disqualifications and recusals at the Judicial College in December 2022 prior to taking the bench. You know what they tell the judges at Judge College about social media use? Here's here's what they tell judges at Judge College. Take notes. Don't. Full stop. Don't. And we're seeing this play out over and over again where judges have social media accounts that come up um, or OnlyFans accounts that come up. And it's like, what are you doing? Does this violate judicial canons of ethics? And there are conversations to be had about judges and their First Amendment rights. But they are part of the judicial branch and the appearance of impropriety is part of the judicial canons. So at Judges College, they generally are told, don't. Prohibited extrajudicial activities. Is this more? There's more extrajudicial activities. Extrajudicial is so hard to say. Since taking the bench on in January 2023, Respondent has published various posts on Facebook in direct contravention of the advice presented to her at the 2022 Judicial College. Yeah, the advice they presented to her is probably don't. I mean, I did not attend the Oklahoma Judicial College. However, it's not surprising how these things work. To anyone who's ever met a judge ever, on January 24th, 2023, Respondent published a Facebook, a, quote, Blooper of the day. Hmm. Defendant on motion to revoke. I tested positive for marijuana, but I have my card. Clueless judge. Is that even allowed? Like, are we allowed to have cards? What are cards? What do they do? Can I smoke? Can we smoke now? Did you bring anything? Are you holding? I've got questions. Do you like gummies? Like, what? What kind What kind of weed are you using? Clueless judge, is that even allowed? DA and defense attorney in unison, no, it's not. My bailiff laughing hysterically. I need to read the marijuana laws. <laughs> you guys, it's such a like quirky Facebook post. Like, look at me being clueless. It's adorable. In a position of authority over people's lives. It's not cute or funny to be incompetent. Only 47 days before publishing this post, respondent had received training at the Judicial College about issues with judges using social media and admonished to refrain from this type of activity. Oh, Emily, keep reading. They actually say that they say don't. On March 7th, respondent published a Facebook that she... Filled in for another judge and did my first domestic docket today. Finally, a subject I completely understand and can't possibly screw up. Not sure if everybody would agree, but I think I passed. The counsel interpreted this to mean that she agreed or believed she had screwed up other cases. Did this judge work in family law before coming to the bench and then still treated the murder of a toddler with absolutely zero dignity or solemnity? Really? On March 15th, 2023, male attorney Bill McDonald appeared before judge on a motion for default judgment on behalf 
of Tinker Federal Credit Union against the unknown successor of a deceased debtor in case. Judge denied the motion on the basis that notice and service by publication was improper without prior approval from the court. The attorney noted that he had been doing this for 41 years and had never done it that way. I kind of hate it when attorneys do that, though. That same day, respondent posted to the Girl Attorney OK Facebook group. (laughs) What not to say to the judge. I've been doing this for 41 years and have never done it that way. Definitely not a good idea, especially when you've been doing it wrong. At least 53 people reacted to the post, either liking or laughing at it. Female attorney Jane Robinson commented that this was sort of fun watching from the bleachers, to which respondent replied, You would have thought he would have taken a hint from the case in front of him. When asked, the male attorney was unaware, respondent judge, was recounting the day's events on Facebook or making fun of his argument on a public forum with female attorneys that other attorneys had been made aware of. I can't even be human on Facebook. You guys keep telling on me. Where am I supposed to make fun of the attorneys? Not on Facebook. And from horrific Jesus Christ, it gets worse. And from her official district judge Facebook account, judge republished an advertisement seeking financial sponsors for the 6th annual Chandler Bell Cowboil. What? Chandler Bong. The Chandler Bell Cowboil. And also published a picture and statement seeking financial support for the local Girl Scouts. You can't do that either. Respondents' Facebook posts or reposts soliciting funds for charitable organizations violate Rules 3.1 and 3.7 and Canon 3 of the Code of Judicial Conduct. Although involvement in the community is a noble effort, soliciting funds is a particularly problematic endeavor with very strict limitations about which respondent was specifically warned at the 2022 Judicial College. The 2022 Judicial College. She doesn't even go here. Responsibility to decide. We're not done. Violation of rules 1.2 and 2.7. Judge issued a new policy that all felony probable cause affidavits for warrants and arrests must be brought to her. That's not how that works. Ma'am, you're not the queen. You don't just get to decree shit. All warrants must be brought to me. No! Respondent told her bailiff to let the district attorney's office know this was the rule. You don't get to just make new rules. You're not the fucking site judge. Oh, the site judge must have loved all of this. There's a boss judge. She's not it. Six months. All all of the... All of the affidavits for warrants need to come to me. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that she understood search warrants. Told the bailiff to tell the DA's office to to let them know this was the new rule. And she herself told the associate district judge, Kirk, that all felony probable cause affidavits must be brought to her. Although Judge Canavan in Nope at Pot. Potawatomi, I know. Sorry, y'all. 
uh, in another county can hear cases in Lincoln County. He is not assigned to the docket in Lincoln. Judge is otherwise the only district judge assigned to hear the felony criminal docket, which will create conflicts if the same judge both issues the probable cause affidavits and hears the proceedings following the preliminary hearing. Yeah, it's why warrant duty rotates. Because if you sign the warrant, you can't hear the case. Because if they make motions that the warrant should have been signed, you can't hear them. In late January, the DA's office presented a probable cause affidavit for four felony counts of lewd acts on a child. Judge asked the assistant to discuss the charges with her because she did not believe the charges were appropriate. No! The judge indicated to the DA, this is like the second in charge, first assistant is like the second in charge to the DA. The judge indicated to the DA, Kalsnick, that the charges were too harsh because the defendant was a juvenile when the charges were committed and now he's an adult and being charged as an adult. The DA provided case law to the respondent on the issue. You know, they get to make charging decisions. You get to make law decisions. You don't get to just make up the rules. Judge discussed the charges with Judge Mueller, who advised her she need only be concerned with whether probable cause exists. Yeah, not your job, ma'am. Because the other issues will be handled at the time of the plea or the preliminary hearing. Uh, ma'am, just do your job. Uh, stay in your lane. Be a judge. Judge indicated to Mueller she felt the young adult was remorseful and has turned his life around. That's not your decision until sentencing. Judge refused to sign or return the probable cause affidavit to the state for over six months. When the state inquired, she said she was going to confer with other judges about the issues. Not your job. After the summer judicial conference, judge conferred with Judge Brad Benson, who had been assigned to uh, as her mentor at Judicial College. Oh, Judge Benson. Oh, dear. Poor Judge Benson. Respondent conferred with her mentor judge about the issue. Mentor judge gave the same advice as Judge Mueller. Correct. Correct. Only need to be concerned with probable cause. Ma'am, that's not your job to determine. If at sentencing you get to decide if somebody's remorseful, but it's not your job. Respondent signed the charges in late July 2023. There's another charge, charge 10. Misapplication of the Sixth Amendment. Oh, good. More constitutional violations. <sighs> like, your whole job is to, like, uphold the Constitution. So, misapplication of Sixth Amendment is, uh, yeah, it's going to be a problem. On January 10th, Defendant McCraw appeared before judge on a motion to revoke. This was judge's second day on the bench. The defendant previously appeared before Judge Ashwood, who advised him to complete an OIDS application, uh, which is probably the public defender's application, and return with the completed form at his next sitting. On the issue of hiring an attorney, judge said, It is generally the policy of the court that if you can afford to get out on bond, that you can't afford to hire. No, it's not. No. No, no. Okay, let me read her quote. It is generally the policy of the court that if you can afford to get out on bond, that you can afford to hire an attorney. And I'm very hesitant to tax the taxpayers 
of this county in this judicial district with your representation costs because you're out on bond. You have a vehicle that you do not drive because you can only drive one. What I'm going to do is I'm going to order you to sell that vehicle and try to hire an attorney. And I'm going to sit you again on January 24th to reappear. This is the third time you have to reappear with an attorney. Do you understand that? At that time, if you do not have an attorney, then we're going to revoke your bond and put you back in jail so that you can qualify for indigent defense. Do you understand that? No, I don't. No, I don't understand that because that's not how the fucking law works. Sell your car to hire an attorney or I'll put you in jail. I'll just, I'll just put you in jail. I'll revoke your bond and put you in jail. Oh, God. Why wasn't the defense bar papering her? After this, all of the defense attorneys have been like, we're not appearing before this judge ever. Go sell your car. If you don't hire your own attorney, um, I'm going to put you in jail for not being able to afford an attorney. Good God. The Sixth Amendment right to counsel uh, doesn't say you have to sell your car. See, that's not... That's not how that works. In written response... Judge noted that she was advised at the 2022 Judicial College to, quote, be creative when dealing with defendants and their ability to pay for criminal proceedings. I doubt that's what you meant. The reference to be creative at the Judicial College was from Judge Hetherington relative to Rule 8 hearings and the ability to pay for defendants whose Fines and fees have been adjudicated, not defendants attempting to exercise their Sixth Amendment right to counsel. Court appointed counsel. Ma'am, that's not what they said. She further suggested that next time she will suggest the defendant sell an asset to hire an attorney, but not order it. Oh, so she's, you've learned nothing. On January 17th, defendant Cullum appeared before judge on felonary disposition felony disposition docket. The defendant appeared without an attorney because her lawyer was arrested. What? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand how we're here. The defendant appeared without her attorney because her lawyer was arrested and detained in the Lincoln County Jail. Couldn't you just bring the attorney out from custody? What happened with her attorney? Why is the attorney in jail? Why is the attorney in jail? I mean, at least the attorney's in the same jail. Although her attorney was not scheduled for... Her attorney was arrested and being held in custody. Although her attorney, Deborah Campbell, was not, why do, don't, Deb, I don't know what's going on, was not scheduled for the docket that day, respondent had her brought from the jail to the full courtroom for the docket on which her client was appearing. She ordered the attorney out of custody to a full courtroom after satisfying her concern of whether the attorney maintained any client funds that could be returned to the defendant Judge stated to defendant. 
you are out on bond. And so you do not qualify for an indigent defense attorney at this point in time. If you wish to qualify for indigent defense, show back up on January 31st at 930 and you'll be placed back in custody where you qualify for indigent defense. Do you understand? So the judge is like, the only way you're getting, the only way you're getting provided court-appointed counsel is if you're in custody. If you are out on bond, you are not getting court-appointed counsel. That's not how that works. The defendant returned on February 21st, again, without an attorney, and respondent stated that it's not her practice to give someone that is out on bond a state-appointed attorney. It doesn't matter. That's not what the law says. Judge said, if you are out, you are capable of working and hiring an attorney. Respondent added if she was out on bond, then she was capable of coming up with money to get out of jail. That's not necessarily the case. On January 17th, the defendant appeared before respondent or defendant Plagonia appeared before respondent and was in custody, but also without an attorney because he was previously represented by attorney Deborah Campbell, the one who's in custody. Judge reappointed the OIDS attorney who was present in the courtroom and then stated to the defendant, Sir, if you are out on bond, you are ordered back here on January 1st at 9.30 a.m. January 1st through the 31st at 9.30 a.m. Ms. Thompson is appointed as your attorney at this time. If you bond out, you will not qualify for indigent defense. Do you understand that? So she is telling people that they are required to stay in custody in contradiction of the law. Recognizing this was judge's first month on the bench, the Council on Judicial Complaints sought a response from respondent about what it perceived to be violations of the defendant's Sixth Amendment rights. When, um, and the Oklahoma statute, when the court's determinations appointing OIDS relied solely on whether the defendant was in custody or not. The counsel appreciated, sorry, the counsel anticipated respondent would recognize the explicit requirements of making determinations on applications for court-appointed counsel based on the citations provided by the counsel. They tried on this one. More specifically, 22 uh, Oklahoma statute 1355D and case law are clear that posting bond cannot be the sole factor in making this determination. Instead, judge, through her own counsel, responded, Your honors, the practice of not appointing court-appointed counsel to a litigant out on bond is not uncommon in many counties and courtrooms in the state. Respondents' actions are no different than many other judges in this state. Excuse me, judge. You had to be there. Like, they're doing it too. It's fine. No. During the criminal bench book presentation at the 2022 Judicial College, Judge Edwards and Judge Lewis discussed the difficulties in getting defendants to hire counsel and move cases forward. But Judge Edwards made clear, obviously, if they think they qualified, certainly there are instances when out-of-custody defendants qualify for OIDS and those should be properly considered. There's more. Independent investigations of facts and ex-party communications. On February 8th, a month after being on the bench, judge presided over her first criminal jury trial in State versus Gordon, which included two felony charges for lewd acts with a child and one felony charge of enabling child abuse. Following the state's presentation of witnesses, the defendant entered a blind plea. After the court accepted the plea, the defendant was escorted back to the county jail and her court-appointed counsel left the courtroom. So she took a plea without a deal, took a plea not knowing what was going to be sentenced, saw the um, presentation of evidence, the state rested, and they were like, I'm, I'm just playing guilty. 
Like, we don't need to do this anymore. But without a promise of what the sentence would be. Without opposing count, oh God. Without opposing counsel or the defendant present, the state and respondent continued to converse with the jury. Judge explained to the jury that the defendant entered a blind plea and what that means. After asking the jury whether they had any question, the judge inquired, quote, obviously we didn't hear the defense side of it, but show of hands, who was leaning towards guilty? That contravenes literally everything. You can't ask the jury to determine guilt without hearing both sides of the case. <sighs> show of hands, you guys all thought he was like, you thought she was guilty, right? Like, come on. Gross. After one juror did not raise his hand, oh God, the judge said, Mr. Coulson, you didn't raise your hand. After which the bailiff chimes in, I told you. Oh my God. He was the one I was concerned about. Oh my God. The, the judge went on to advise the jurors, so I will tell you there is a videotape. <gasps> no. So I will tell you there is a videotape where she made statements consistent with the testimony of the daughter, to which a juror responds, that's what I was waiting on. If the jury didn't know that there was a videotape at the end of the state's evidence, they might not have ever seen that. What is happening? Following the ex the improper ex-party communication with the jury prior to sentencing, the judge told Judge Mueller it was not a good idea for the defendant to blind plea to her because she was going to throw the book at her. I'll look at everything, but it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well for her, obviously. At sentencing, is how does this keep getting worse? On April 11th, judge told the defendant that exercising her constitutional right to trial was an enhancing factor in the judge's determination when sentencing her. You. You can't hold people asserting their constitutional rights against them. We started the jury trial back in February and completed a day of testimony and a couple of witnesses. And then on the second day, you decided to enter a blind plea. And you have pled guilty to the charges of lewd acts to a child under 12 years of age, two counts, and enabling child sex abuse. And uh, as stated in the amended information filed February 26th, you required a preliminary hearing where you required your daughter to testify in open court in both your presence and that of uh, John Bonner, her other perpetrator. You required a jury trial, which then required your daughter, your daughter, to testify in open court in your presence again and in the presence of 12 strangers and multiple individuals in the courtroom. And then after her testimony for the second time, you decided to enter a plea of guilty. You had the right to a preliminary hearing. You had the right to a jury trial. You also had an obligation to protect your child. I mean, before all the abuse, maybe. Uh, you required those two hearings knowing that you had already confessed to the allegations not once but twice. Respondent sentenced the defendants to 30 years on two counts of lewd acts with a child and 40 years on one count of enabling child abuse uh, with the third to run consecutive. After learning the court communicated with the jurors following the plea, the defendant's attorney filed a motion to withdraw the guilty plea and the motion was denied. That's going to go up on appeal, I'm sure. Respondent's in-person testimony. Judge appeared at a hearing before the council on July 21st. Within the first six minutes of testimony, respondent used the F word three times. Your Honor, you had to be there. Like, what the fuck? It's fine. In all three instances, judge was recounting a factual event 
or her strong feelings when she learned that the Council on Judicial Complaints had subpoenaed her personal cell phone. Excuse me, counsel, we have your cell phone. Judge, fuck. I mean, it's a well-placed fuck, it's correct, because you're fucked. During her testimony to the counsel, respondent exhibited a pattern of offering misleading or false statements. Immediate temporary suspension. Petitioner, the judicial counsel, alleges that the circumstances giving rise to the foregoing facts against respondent are in grave danger of continuing. There is no evidence the respondent will voluntarily cease and desist in the performance of these matters, which give rise to the filing of the petition. There is an existing emergency justifying the trial division of the court on the judiciary of the state of Oklahoma in temporary suspending respondent from office pending the determinations of proceedings. Great and irreparable harm and injury will occur if the judge is allowed to continue in the capacity of judge. The petitioner requests that the presiding judge of the court on the issue order the respondent to appear at a date, time, and place certain for an order to show cause why they should not be suspended from the exercise of, you know, judging. Relief requested, yeet immediately. And that is the end. Yeet immediately is the only thing the only thing that has to happen here. Yeet immediately has to happen. Well, honored, that is the last podcast episode of 2023. I hope that you enjoyed it. There will be plenty more to come in the new year. I hope that you have had a happy holidays, a wonderful new year, and there is lots to come. So if you are not already in the Lawnard app, go download the app for free. I will keep you in the loop when I am streaming, when we are covering trials and when new episodes go live, it's absolutely free for you. And the best way to stay in the loop at lawnerdapp.com or just go to your app store and search for lawnerd, you'll find it. With that, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a law nerd. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your holidays be delightful. May your family be well and may the odds be ever in your favor. I will talk to you in the new year. You can stay up to date with everything I'm covering on our free iOS and Android app at lawnerdapp.com or search your app store for Lawnerd. And you can also follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker. Remember, I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I recap all of that for you in quick bits on Monday. And of course, The Emily Show drops on Wednesdays. Thanks for being a honored.